0: THE DEVIL'S WAGER by William Makepeace Thackeray This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Grant Love THE DEVIL'S WAGER by William Makepeace Thackeray It was the hour of the night, when there be none stirring, save churchyard ghosts, when all doors are closed except the gates of graves, and all eyes shut but the eyes of wicked men, when there is no sound on the earth except the ticking of the grasshopper or the croaking of obscene frogs in the pool, and no light except that of the blinking stars and the wicked and devilish wills of the wisp as they gamble among the marshes and lead good men astray. When there is nothing moving in heaven, except the owl as he flappeth along lazily, or the magician as he rideth on his infernal broomstick, whistling through the air like the arrows of a Yorkshire archer, it was at this hour, namely at twelve o'clock of the night, that two beings went winging through the black clouds, and holding converse with each other. Now the first was Mercurius, the messenger not of gods, as the heathens feigned, but of demons, and the second, with whom he held company, was the soul of Sir Roger de Rollo, the brave knight. Sir Roger was Count of Chochingne in Champagne, Signor of Santerre, Villaserf, and Autreleu, but the great die as well as the humble, and nothing remained of brave Roger now but his coffin and his deathless soul. And Mercurius, in order to keep fast the soul, his companion, had bound him round the neck with his tail, which, when the soul was stubborn, he would draw so tight as to strangle him well nigh, sticking into him the barbed point thereof, whereat the poor soul Sir Rollo would groan and roar lustily. Now they two had come together from the gates of purgatory, being bound to those regions of fire and flame where poor sinners fry and roast in Secula Secularum. It is hard, said the poor Sir Rolo, as they went gliding through the clouds, that I should thus be condemned forever, and all for want of a single ave. How, Sir Soul, said the demon, you were on earth so wicked that not one, or a million of aves, could suffice to keep from hell flame a creature like thee. But cheer up and be merry. Thou wilt be but a subject of our Lord the devil, as am I. And perhaps thou wilt be advanced to posts of honour, as am I also. And to show his authority, he lashed with his tail the ribs of the wretched Rolo. Nevertheless, sinner as I am, One more ave would have saved me, for my sister, who was abbess of St. Mary of Chuchingi, did so prevail by her prayer and good works for my lost and wretched soul that every day I felt the pains of purgatory decrease. The pitchforks which, on my first entry, had never ceased to vex and torment my poor carcass were now not applied above once a week. The roasting had ceased, The boiling had discontinued. Only a certain warmth was kept up to remind me of my situation. A gentle stew, said the demon. Yea, truly, I was but in a stew, and all from the effects of the prayers of my blessed sister. But yesterday he who watched me in purgatory told me that yet another prayer from my sister and my bonds should be unloosed, and I, who am now a devil, "'should have been a blessed angel.' "'And the other Ave, said the demon. "'She died, sir. "'My sister died. "'Death choked her in the middle of the prayer. "'And hereat the wretched spirit began to weep and whine piteously, "'his salt tears falling over his beard "'and scalding the tale of Mercurius the devil. "'It is, in truth, a hard case,' said the demon. "'But I know of no remedy save patience.' and for that you will have an excellent opportunity in your lodgings below. But I have relations, said the earl. My kinsman Randall, who has inherited my lands, will he not say a prayer for his uncle? Thou didst hate and oppress him when living. It is true, but an ave is not much. His sister, my niece Matilda, you shot her in a convent and hanged her lover. Had I not reason? Besides, Had she not others? A dozen, without a doubt. And my brother, the prior? A liege subject of my lord the devil. He never opens his mouth except to utter an oath or to swallow a cup of wine. And yet, if but one of these would but say an ave for me, I should be saved. Aves with them are reary avis, replied Marcus, wagging his tail right wiggishly. And what is more, I will lay thee any wager that no one of these will say a prayer to save thee. I would wager willingly, responded he of Chuchingi. But what has a poor soul like me to stake? Every evening after the day's roasting, my lord Satan giveth a cup of cold water to his servants. I will bet thee thy water for a year that none of three will pray for thee. Done. "'said Rollo, "'Done,' said the demon, "'and here, if I mistake not, "'is thy castle of Chuchingney.' "'Indeed it was true. "'The soul, on looking down, "'perceived the tall towers, "'the courts, the stables, "'and the fair gardens of the castle. "'Although it was past midnight, "'there was a blaze of light "'in the banqueting hall, "'and a lamp burning in the open window "'of the Lady Matilda. "'With whom shall we begin?' said the demon, with the baron or the lady? With the lady, if you will. Be it so, her window is open. Let us enter. So they descended and entered silently into Matilda's chamber. The young lady's eyes were fixed so intently on a little clock that it was no wonder that she did not perceive the entrance of her two visitors. Her fair cheek rested in her white arm, and her white arm on the cushion of a great chair in which she sat. Pleasantly supported by sweet thoughts and swans down, a lute was at her side, and a book of prayers lay under the table, for piety is always modest. Like the amorous Alexander, she sighed and looked at the clock, and sighed for ten minutes or more, when she softly breathed the word Edward. At this the soul of the baron was wroth, The jade is at her old pranks, said he to the devil, and then addressing Matilda, I pray thee, sweet niece, turn thy thoughts for a moment from that villainous page, Edward, and give them to thine affectionate uncle. When she heard the voice, and saw the awful apparition of her uncle for a year's sojourn in purgatory, had not increased the comeliness of his appearance, she started, screamed, and of course fainted. But the devil Mercurius soon restored her to herself. What's o'clock? said she, as soon as she had recovered from her fit. Is he come? Not thy lover, Maud, but thine uncle, that is, his soul. For the love of heaven, listen to me. I have been frying in purgatory for a year past, and should have been in heaven, but for the want of a single ave. I will say it for thee to-morrow, uncle, to-night, to-night, or never. Well, to-night be it. And she requested the devil Mercurius to give her the prayer book from under the table. But he had no sooner touched the holy book than he dropped it with a shriek and a yell. It was hotter, he said, than his master Sir Lucifer's own particular pitchfork. And the lady was forced to begin her ave without the aid of her missile. At the commencement of her devotions, the demon retired, and carried with him the anxious soul of poor Sir Roger de Rollo. The lady knelt down, she sighed deeply, she looked again at the clock, and began, Ave Maria. When a lute was heard under the window, and a sweet voice singing, Hark! said Matilda. Now the toils of day are over, and the sun hath sunk to rest, seeking like a fiery lover the bosom of the blushing west. The faithful knight keeps watch and ward, raising the moon her silver shield, and summoning the stars to guard the slumbers of my fair MATILDE. For mercy's sake," said Sir Rollo, "the Ave first and next the song." So Matilda again dutifully betook her to her devotions and began, "Ave Maria, Gracia plena," but the music began again, and the prayer ceased, of course. The faithful knight, now all things lie, hid by her mantle dark and dim. In pious hope I hither high, and humbly chant mine evening hymn. Thou art my prayer, my saint, my shrine, for never holy pilgrim kneeled, or wept at feet more pure than thine, my virgin love, my sweet Matilde. Virgin love, said the baron, upon my soul this is too bad and he thought of the lady's lover whom he had caused to be hanged. But she only thought of him who stood singing at her window. "'Niece Matilda,' cried Sir Roger agonizedly, "'wilt thou listen to the lies of an impudent page whilst thine uncle is waiting but a dozen words to make him happy?' At this Matilda grew angry. "'Edward is neither impudent nor a liar, Sir Uncle, and I will listen to the end of the song.' Come away, said Mercurius, he hath yet got wheeled, field, sealed, congealed, and a dozen other rhymes beside, and after the song will come the supper. So the poor soul was obliged to go, while the lady listened, and the page sung away till morning. My virtues have been my ruin, said poor Sir Rolo, as he and Mercurius slunk silently out of the window. Had I hanged that knave Edward as I did the page his predecessor, my niece would have sung my nav, and I should have been by this time an angel in heaven. He is reserved for wiser purposes, responded the devil. He will assassinate your successor, the Lady Matilda's brother, and in consequence will be hanged. In the love of the lady he will be succeeded by a gardener who will be replaced by a monk who will give way to an ostler who will be deposed by a Jew peddler, who shall finally yield to a noble earl, the future husband of the fair Matilde. So that, you see, instead of having one poor soul of frying, we may now look forward to a goodly harvest for our lord the devil. The soul of the baron began to think that his companion knew too much for one who would make fair bets, but there was no help for it. He would not and he could not cry off, and he prayed inwardly that the brother might be found more pious than the sister. But there seemed little chance of this, as they crossed the court, lackeys with smoking dishes and full jugs, passed and repassed continually, although it was long past midnight. On entering the hall they found Sir Randall at the head of a vast table, surrounded by a fiercer and more motley collection of individuals than had congregated there even in the time of Sir Rollo. The lord of the castle had signified that it was his royal pleasure to be drunk, and the gentlemen of his train had obsequiously followed their master. Mercurius was delighted with the scene, and relaxed his usually rigid countenance into a bland and benevolent smile, which became him wonderfully. The entrance of Sir Roger, who had been dead about a year, and a person with hoofs, horns, and a tail rather disturbed the hilarity of the company. Sir Randall dropped his cup of wine, and Father Peter, the confessor, incontinently paused in the midst of a profane song, with which he was amusing the society. "'Holy Mother!' cried he. "'It is Sir Roger!' "'Alive!' screamed Sir Randall. "'No, my lord,' Mercurius said. "'Sir Roger is dead.' It cometh on a matter of business, "'and I have the honour to act as his counsellor and attendant. "'Nephew,' said Sir Roger, "'the demon saith justly, "'I am come on a trifling affair "'in which the service is essential. "'I will do anything, uncle, in my power. "'Thou canst give me life if thou wilt.' "'But Sir Randall looked very blank at this proposition. "'I mean life spiritual, Randall.' said sir roger and thereupon he explained to him the nature of the wager whilst he was telling his story his companion mercurius was playing all sorts of antics in the hall and by his wit and fun became so popular with his godless crew that they lost all the fear which his first appearance had given them the friar was wonderfully taken with him and used his utmost eloquence and endeavours to convert the devil. The knights stopped drinking to listen to the argument, the men-at-arms forbore brawling, and the wicked little pages crowded round the two strange disputants to hear their edifying discourse. The ghostly man, however, had little chance in the controversy, and certainly little learning to carry it on. Sir Randall interrupted him. "'Father Peter,' said he, Our kinsman is condemned for ever for want of a single ave. Wilt thou say it for him? Willingly, my lord, said the monk, with my book. And accordingly he produced his missal to read, without which aid it appeared that the Holy Father could not manage the desired prayer. But the crafty Mercurius had, by his devilish art, inserted a song in the place of the ave so that Father Peter, instead of chanting on him, sang the following irreverent ditty. Some love the matin chimes which tell the hour of prayer to sinner, but betters far's the midday bell which speaks the hour of dinner. For when I see a smoking fish, or capon drowned in gravy, or noble haunch on silver dish, full glad I sing mine ave. My pulpit is an alehouse bench, Whereon I sit so jolly, A smiling rosy country wench, My saint and patron holy. I kiss her cheek so red and sleek, I press her ringlets wavy, And in her willing ear I speak A most religious ave. And if I'm blind, yet heaven is kind, And holy saint's forgiving, For sure he leads a right good life, Who thus admires good living. Above they say our flesh is air, our blood celestial ichor. O grant, mid all the changes there, they may not change our liquor. And with this pious wish, the holy confessor tumbled under the table in an agony of devout drunkenness, whilst the knights, the men-at-arms, and the wicked little pages rang out the last verse with a most melodious and emphatic glee. I am sorry, fair uncle, up Sir Randall, that, in the matter of the Ave, we could not oblige thee in a more orthodox manner. But the Holy Father has failed, and there is not another man in the hall who hath an idea of a prayer. It is my own fault, said Sir Rollo, for I hanged the last confessor, and he wished his nephew a surly good night as he prepared to quit the room. Au revoir, gentlemen, said the devil Mercurius, and once more fixed his tail round the neck of his disappointed companion. The spirit of poor Rollo was sadly cast down. The devil, on the contrary, was in high, good humour. He wagged his tail with the most satisfied air in the world, and cut a hundred jokes at the expense of his poor associate. On they sped, cleaving swiftly through the cold night winds, frightening the birds that were roosting in the woods, and the owls that were watching in the towers. In the twinkling of an eye, as it is known, devils can fly hundreds of miles, so that almost the same beat of the clock which left these two in Champagne found them hovering over Paris. They dropped into the court of the Lazarus convent and winded their way through passage and cloister until they reached the door of the prior's cell. Now the prior, Rollo's brother, was a wicked and malignant sorcerer. His time was spent in conjuring devils and doing wicked deeds, instead of fasting, scourging, and singing holy psalms. This Mercurius knew, and he, therefore, was fully at ease as to the final result of his wager with poor Sir Roger. "'You seem to be well acquainted with the road,' said the knight. "'I have reason,' answered Mercurius, having, for a long period, Had the acquaintance of his reverence your brother, but you have little chance with him. And why, said Sir Rollo, he is under a bond to my master, never to say a prayer, or else his soul and his body are forfeited at once. Why, thou false and traitorous devil, said the enraged knight, and thou knewest this when we made our wager? Undoubtedly, Do you suppose I would have done so had there been any chance of losing? And with this they arrived at Father Ignatius's door. Thy cursed presence threw a spell on my niece, and stopped the tongue of my nephew's chaplain. I do believe that had I seen either of them alone, my wager had been won. Certainly, therefore, I took good care to go with thee. However, thou mayest see the prior alone, if thou wilt, and lo, His door is open. I will stand without for five minutes when it will be time to commence our journey. It was the poor baron's last chance, and he entered his brother's room more for the five minutes' respite than from any hope of success. Father Ignatius, the prior, was absorbed in magic calculations. He stood in the middle of a circle of skulls with no garment except his long white beard, which reached to his knees. He was waving a silver rod and muttering imprecations in some horrible tongue. But Sir Rollo came forward and interrupted his incantation. I am, said he, the shade of thy brother Roger de Rollo, and have come from pure brotherly love to warn thee of thy fate. Whence camest thou? From the abode of the blessed in paradise, replied Sir Roger. "'who was inspired with a sudden thought. "'It was but five minutes ago "'that the patron saint of thy church "'told me of thy danger "'and of thy wicked compact with the fiend. "'Go,' said he, "'to thy miserable brother, "'and tell him there is but one way "'by which he may escape "'from paying the awful forfeit of his bond.' "'And how may that be?' said the prior. "'The false fiend hath deceived me. "'I have given him my soul.' but have received no worldly benefit in return. Brother, dear brother, how may I escape? I will tell thee, as soon as I heard the voice of blessed St. Mary Lazarus. The worthy earl had, at a pinch, coined the name of a saint. I left the clouds where, with other angels, I was seated, and sped hither to save thee. Thy brother, said the saint, hath but one day more to live, when he will become for all eternity the subject of Satan, if he would escape, he must boldly break his bond by saying an have It is the express condition of the agreement, said the unhappy monk. I must say no prayer, or that instant I become Satan's body and soul. It is the express condition of the saint, answered Roger fiercely. Pray, brother, pray, or thou art lost forever. So the foolish monk knelt down and devoutly sung out an ave. "'Amen,' said Sir Roger devoutly. "'Amen,' said Mercurius, as suddenly coming behind, he seized Ignatius by his long beard and flew up with him to the top of the church steeple. The monk roared and screamed and swore against his brother, but it was of no avail. Sir Roger smiled kindly on him and said, "'Do not fret, brother.' It must have come to this, in a year or two. And he flew alongside of Mercurius to the steeple-top, but this time the devil had not his tail round his neck. I will let thee off thy bet, said he to the demon, for he could afford now to be generous. I believe, my lord, said the demon politely, that our ways separate here. Sir Roger sailed gaily upwards, While Mercurius, having bound the miserable monk faster than ever, he sunk downwards to earth and perhaps lower. Ignatius was heard roaring and screaming as the devil dashed him against the iron spikes and buttresses of the church. End of The Devil's Wager by William Makepeace Thackeray. Recording by Grant Love.